We want to welcome each of you. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we especially want you to know that we're glad to have you here with us. Uh, we're always happy to get together to worship and to enjoy each other's fellowship. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to gather here to worship you, to bring our prayers before you, Father, and to bring uh, our joy, our appreciation to you. Father, we thank you for the great love that you have for us. We thank you that that love extended even to the gift of your son, who you sent to die a terrible death on the cross so that we could have the hope of eternal life with you. Father, please be with us as we worship you. May the things that we do and say be pleasing to you and uplifting to us. We ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Good morning. We'll start this morning with 412. Verses 1 and 2. As I travel through this pilgrim land, there is a friend who walks with me. Please be safe through the sinking sand. It is the Christ of Calvary. This would be my very glory each day to help me through the best I can. For I need thy light to guide me day and night. Blessed Jesus.
Dear Lord, we thank you for the meekness you have given to us in our lives. And maybe as we worship you today, may it be in a manner pleasing to you. In Christ's name, amen. At this time, we're going to set our minds on the Lord's Supper and the sacrifice that was made on our behalf as we sing 387. We'll sing the third verse. Tell of the cross where they nailed him, writhing in anguish and pain. Tell of the grave where they laid him. Tell how he liveth again. Love in that story so gathered here in fellowship to remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave for us, the sacrifice that enables us as Christians to be where we are. We tend to focus on the last days when Jesus was upon the cross and when he died for us and shed his blood. But I think we also need to remember that that sacrifice <clears throat> really began back in Genesis 3.15 when we know and are told that Jesus was going to come and was going to be born of a woman. The son came from a perfect place. He sacrificed that place to come to earth, to take human form, to live a perfect life, a life given to teach to be an example and to demonstrate that he was the son of God through the many wonderful things that he accomplished. We can tell from many of the stories of his teaching to the apostles that perhaps he was somewhat frustrated at times as he was attempting to teach the apostles of what they should teach to mankind. I think his sacrifice began well before Genesis 3.15 because as a son of God, he knew what was coming. He knew what he was going to do. He knew he was going to have to come to save us. Let's 
Remember that sacrifice that he gave for his entire life from the beginning for us as we partake of these emblems of his life and his death. Let's pray for the bread. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for the Son's life on this earth that was given to us as a perfect example. Uh, we pray, Father, that we partake of this emblem of that life, that body given for us, Father, that we do so in a manner that is pleasing to you. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. He also gave his life and shed his blood, a seal of that new covenant given to us, the blood that washes us of our sins. Let's pray as we partake of the emblem of that shed blood. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the life and death, the shed blood that was given to wash us of our sins, Father. We know that we are undeserving and we thank you so very much for that gift of love and mercy and the son's death that was given for us. Be with us now as we partake of that emblem. We pray this in your son's name, amen. We'll take this opportunity to also remember the many physical gifts that we are given. Not only the monetary things that we are given, but also the time and the talents that we are given. We should also give of our time and our talents to do God's work. Sure, the donations that we give and the contributions that we give are very important. They allow us to do many things, but each of us individually should also give of ourselves to help the work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for all those physical blessings you give to us. We pray, Father, we would be good stewards of the physical blessings and that we would be willing to share of our time and our talent to spread the word. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Today I will be reading John chapter 13 verses 34 to 35. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By, by this all people will know that you are 
my disciples, if you have love for one another. Children's Church is available for those second grade and younger. As they depart, let us stand and sing 957. We'll sing the first and the third verse. And then Matt will bring us the message. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Just up in glory land will I had an experience this week that has just got me full of love and joy. So I had to preach on it. <clears throat> it also keeps making my arm go like this. <laughs> Boy, my suit is tight from the amount of this we did. We went to the Florida State game with Marsha and Clayton, and we had a blast. It was an amazing game. I'm sorry if you're a Florida fan. We've been there many times ourselves. It was an amazing game, and one minute you were extremely happy, and the next minute you were biting your nails and nervous, and I've never felt more bipolar in my life. <laughs> to make things worse, you know, and, I, and I'm not going to pick on Florida fans because there's not a team in the world that doesn't have fans like this. Okay, and truth be told, Alabama fans are the worst. We can all agree. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't know. Tennessee fans were getting pretty wild until, you know, the last couple of weeks. But anyway, um, oh, I know I'm taking cheap shots everywhere. I am. I am. Don't forget, we've lost three games. We're nothing special. But... Every, every team's got that fan that's, you know, obnoxious. And really, obnoxious doesn't even describe the person. 
So we were in um, the booster section, so obviously it was very heavily favoring the old garnet and gold. And we had this family that was sitting behind us that was very heavily into the Florida Gators. And they had this guy, and I prom I, I'm not exaggerating, if Florida got one yard, one yard on a play, he was screaming bloody murder, bloody murder, standing up on his seat, screaming bloody murder. And I sat there and I listened and I listened as we went up one and they tied and then they went up one and we tied and I was just shaking. And then we scored with four minutes to go to take the lead. And I don't know what got into me, but I turned into that fan. And I made sure when I turned into that fan that I also turned around and looked him dead in his eyes at the top of my lungs. It almost felt like worship. I will admit, all jokes aside, we made that eye contact and I said to him, had to hear it all game. And he started dying laughing. And he said, there's still four minutes left. And I thought to myself, he's not wrong. <laughs> Maybe I should have waited. So I would bit my nails until the game was over. But anyway, at the end, we exchanged the old nucks and told each other a good game. But yeah, there, there is so much fun and love. You know, even though we have um, things we're interested in that are competing, whether it's from football or, or just different hobbies or different even experiences in our life, there is so much that we share. There's so much to um, share with in love. And it, love is such an important concept in Scripture. God describes himself as it. It's through the Bible. It's one of the words used the most in all of the text. In scripture, the word love. And no matter how much you preach in your life, at some point, almost in every sermon, without a doubt, there's going to be an element of love. And that's what I wanted to spend some time on today. So I wanted to show you a few scriptures. Now, this happened because um, some situation, some experience that I was going through in my own life that really had nothing to do with the game. Um, but just some things that I was experiencing in my own life that I was seeing in my own life. And then I went and I, and I used the inter interlinear. Anybody know what that is? That's where you get multiple versions of the, um, of the scripture in the original language along with the English. And you know, you lose some things in translation. It doesn't happen often, but there are times where you lose some things in translation because for example, the word love in English is one word. The word love in Greek is actually like seven words and we use about four in scripture, okay? So you can lose something there. So I wanna read these to you and I want you to be honest with yourself and I want you to think about it. The two. The, the, the three, actually, I'll give you the three that you need to be thinking about. What does the word love mean here? You have three choices. The first one is eros. Eros, the word erotic comes from eros. It's the love that you're supposed to have for your wife or your husband. And only your wife or your husband. Okay? It's a very sensual, passionate 
type of love that you're only supposed to share with your significant other. That's Eros. The second one I want you to remember is Philo or Phyla. Okay? If you've ever uh, heard of Philadelphia, you can remember Phyla. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, right? Phyla would be the second one. That's what it talks about. Brotherly love. Um, and the third one is agape. Agape means godly love. So when I read these scriptures to you really quickly, I just want you to try to pick apart which one is which. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And, and there's not going to be a scripture in here that we have not discussed recently. I just want to point that out because this is so, so important. It's not something new. It's actually something old, but it's something that I think we missed. So, all right. Teacher, which is, the, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Which one of the loves would that be? If you said agape, of course. He's talking about loving God in the sentence, right? All right. This is the great and first commandment. Verse 39, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. What's that love? Philo? I'm not going to give you the answer yet. <laughs> I'm not going to give you the answer yet. Hold on. It's coming to the big finish. What about this one? First John chapter four. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So would you think in that scripture there's a fair share of agape and philo as well? All right, how about this one? By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. What about that one? You think that's agape, philo? It kind of has elements of both, doesn't it? But if anyone has the wor world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And the last one. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, we're only going to look at these four scriptures today. But let's start with the first one. We use this as a warm-up. Now, I will admit to you that I agreed with many of you, and if I was taking this test on a random Sunday, not expecting it, didn't get to study beforehand, which I did, I would agree with you that I would have said the first one was agape and the second one was philo. When I read it in my head, I see a godly love as the first commandment and I see a brotherly love as the second. That's what I see. What I'm going to tell you is that's wrong. And if that doesn't blow your mind a little bit, just wait. 
In fact, both of these words are agape. Think about this now. He's saying the first one is to love God with all of your being. That's what he's saying. In the first commandment, you need to love God with all of your being, with everything that you are made of, with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with every aspect of your life, you need to love God. And then he says, with that exact same type of love, you need to love your brother. With that exact same type of love, you need to love your neighbor. With that exact same type of love, we'll get even deeper for a second, you need to love your enemy. And he says, when you love, not just God, but your neighbor, your brother and sister in Christ, even your enemy with this type of love, you fulfilled all of the law and everything the prophets ever said. You see why love's so important? You know, some people have made jokes that I only have two sermons. One is about fishing and one is about love. That's okay with me. Jesus was the best fisherman and the greatest lover. I'm good with that. That's why it's important. All right, what about this one? I'm going to read it again. 1 John chapter 4, verses 19 through 21. We love because he first loved us. We love, we love with all of our being, with everything that we are, agape. We love, godly love, because we were first loved by God with godly love. With everything. So it's also the choice that comes into play here. God chose to love us with everything that he had, with all of his being, before we ever chose to love him. That's what John is saying in this scripture. He says, we love God because we received this love from him first. You ever have somebody that drives you nuts when you first meet them, but they love you in such a way you can't help but love them eventually? You ever been that person that like the other person drives you nuts, but you're going to love them anyway until things change. That's what it's talking about. He said, we love God because God first loved us. If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. That is strong language by John. John is not Paul. Paul, confrontational. He'll call you out the second he thinks you're doing something wrong. Peter, Peter will stand up and say something when nobody else is willing to say it. John, John plays the background. John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. He won't even name himself in his own gospel. So when John says, if you hate your brother, you are a liar, that is strong language for John. He's not holding any punches. In fact, he's calling you out. If you have hate and animosity for your brother in Christ, you do not have the love of Christ in your heart. That's what he's saying. He's saying, you're lying. You're fooling yourself. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, whom you have experienced, who you have physically touched, you have seen, been in the same room with, how in the world can you love God that way, who you've never seen. 
And this commandment we have from him. And what is he repeating right here? He's repeating the first scripture I read to you, the greatest commandment, right? Whoever loves God must also love his brother. You can't have one without the other. It doesn't work. We're talking about a transformation. And this is where the meat really comes into play. A lot of people come to church to experience church, not be the church. A lot of people, let me say it again, a lot of people come to church to experience church, not be the church. In other words, a lot of people come to church because they want salvation. They want the hope of eternal life in heaven. They don't want the ministry that's attached to it. They want the religion, the rules that they can check off their box so they feel good about getting to heaven. They don't want the relationship that's attached to it. They want to come, they want to sing, they want to hear the sermon, they want to be led in prayer, they want to experience the communion, and they want to walk out, and they want to check the box again next week. And I'm not saying that's you, but if that is you, then this sermon is for you. So he says, we love a God, <laughs> thank you, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God from whom he has not seen. All this is agape. All, there's not a philo in this. All of it. You reading the scripture different yet? You looking at love with fresh eyes yet? Because I can tell you for me, when I played this game with myself before I pulled out the interlinear, I was wrong a lot. I thought there was going to be all kinds of philo in this. First John 3. By this we know love, agape love. By this we know agape love, that he laid down his life for us. You want the definition of what our agape love is supposed to look like? He gives it right to you. He's not holding any punches, like I said. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. You love someone enough to lay down your life for them? Is there someone in this body of believers right now that you love enough that if their life was in danger, you would risk your own for them? That's agape love. It's an all-in kind of love. It's an everything kind of love. It's a love that's attached to a deep relationship. It's a love that if that person is no longer there, it's going to leave a hole, a hurt, an emptiness inside that truthfully not even time can heal. It's just going to be there. That's agape love. Verse 17, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love, agape love, abide in him? You have what you need to help your brother out, but you close off your heart against him. You don't want to help him. Maybe secretly you hope he fails. Maybe secretly you hope everybody turns against him. 
Jesus was asked, actually Jesus said, if someone asks you to go one mile, what did he say? He said, go with them too, right? If someone asked for something to keep them warm, what does he say? Take the jacket off your own back, give it to them. That's the type of love he's talking about. Not the type of love that closes their heart to their brother or sister in Christ of all people. Then he says this, verse 18, little children, in other words, young Christians, those who are not mature in Christ yet, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. You ever, you ever talk about somebody you don't know, but you love them? I love Jordan Travis. If you don't know who that is, that's the quarterback for Florida State. I don't know him at all. We get in the same room, I might hate Jordan Travis. But you know what I say? I love him. I love him. You might have a favorite actor or something. You say, I love, I'll fill in the gap for me. Speaking not just for me, but some others in this room, I'm sure. I love Ryan Reynolds. I love him. I don't know him at all. How can I say I love, I don't even know him. You know what I love? I love the characters he portrays in the movies that he's in. Because the only time I've ever seen him, he's been in a production. He's been performing. How many people do you say you love you don't even know, you don't have experience with, you're probably never even going to share time with? I love them. That's what he's talking about in word and talk. See, talk is cheap, and we all know that rule. But that's what he's saying. You know, it's easy for you to say, man, I love my church. Do you? It's easy to say, I love that person. But have you created enough action between you and them is there a strong enough relationship between you and them that that person, when asked if you love them, would say, yeah, they love me? Ryan Reynolds doesn't even know who I am. Neither does Jordan Travis. I yelled at him. He didn't even look at me. Last one. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. Yet again, agape. You also are to love one another, agape. By, all, by this, all people will know. All people, not just some people, not certain people, not the people who are searching for the truth. No, no, even the people that are ignoring the truth, who deny the truth, who want nothing to do with the truth. Verse 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love, agape love for one another. There wasn't a single word of love up here that was anything but 
agape. I'm sure some of y'all got that after the second slide, right? There wasn't a single verse. There wasn't a single time where the word love was used today that we read together that was not agape love. All in, godly type of love. John says the way that we love each other, that intense love that we share with each other, the, the real relationships that we develop here in the body of Christ, John says that's how the world knows who we are. When visitors come in, they're going to experience either a church that's obviously full of love, or they're going to experience a church that they don't feel the love that they should. And that, I don't like to use the word vibe, but that's a vibe that's in the air. When there's real love in the building, you can't hide that in the atmosphere. It doesn't just sneak away. It is like a fresh, fragrant aroma to people who come in. It should be the one thing that stands. You go outside these doors, you can feel hate. You can feel discouragement. You can feel everything that's wrong with your life and everything that you want to change. When you come in here, you should feel the love. You have that in your church. Your church will not stop growing. Because I am telling you, there are thousands of people just in this community alone that are desperately searching for a place that I just described. And they have looked and they have looked and they have looked. And guess what? They have not found it. Now, why is this so important? First of all, agape love is godly love, the highest form of love, most complete love, and the deepest love. It's godly love. It's love that loves with no expectation. Does God love every single person in the world? Are we not all God's children? We are. See, he extended his love to us before we ever accepted it. In fact, there are plenty of people that won't accept it. They'll reject it. They won't want anything to do with it. That's why it's godly love. It's agape love. It's all in love. That's why it's the most complete. It's the deepest. It's the pinnacle of love. It is love. It is the love that we are to have for God. It is also the love that God has for you and for me. But don't miss this point because this is really what it was all about. It's also the way we're supposed to love each other. You're not supposed to love God all in and then love your brother like, well, a best friend or a family member. You know. Some, there's always a family member that's like, uh, yay. It's all in. Second, we were created for community and relationship rooted in agape love. Your creator is telling you to live this way. It will change your life. It's all through the scripture. <coughs> Excuse me. I could have made this a very long scripture reading today. I could have went through dozens and dozens, dozens of verses. I tried to be short. I tried to be concise. And I wanted you to see some of the scriptures you've read over and over. And if you're like me, you were putting Philo in your brain, not agape. Agape. 
We were created for community. We were created for a relationship rooted in agape love, all in love, which is why when you find it, it draws you in. It is attractive. It is everything you are looking for. And it's also why when you find it, you will grow faster and deeper in the Lord together than you ever will by yourself. You know what's amazing about Wednesday night Bible class? You find out everybody reads scripture and we all look at it a little bit differently. That doesn't make anybody in the room wrong. It just gives you more perspective. Helps you to grow. Helps you to be challenged. And then the last one is this, and this is my own opinion, but I think I can show you book after book after book that backs up exactly what I'm saying. And I can tell you in my life, and I bet most of you will agree in your life, this is 100% true. You know, what we do here is important right now, in this moment, what we're doing now, this is important. And maybe something the preacher says once in a blue moon really does set you straight, change your life, make you think about something in a way you will never go back from. But the majority of that doesn't happen from the stage. The majority of that does not happen in a big group atmosphere. The majority of what that, when that happens, happens in a one-on-one relationship. When you're talking to somebody you know you can trust. When you're talking to somebody that you know has agape love for you. And you can share what's really going on in your mind with them. That's where the real ministry happens. It can also happen in small group. You look at the youth group, for example, that's a successful small group. There's real love and real ministry that happens between those kids and even the the young adults in that group. That's how it happens. Happens in the conversations after church more than happens in the conversation we're having in church. But you have to have that. See, the truth is, if we all love each other the way that we love God, if we all love each other the way that God loves us, the ministry here would be so effective. We wouldn't we wouldn't be able to contain the people that were flocking to be here. It would change the community, but we have to believe it and we have to create opportunities for that to develop and happen. And while we're doing that, we have to understand that what we're all seeking, not only in our own lives, but to be for others in their lives, is agape love. You see, the gospel truth is, God so loved the world, God so loved you in this world, that he sent his only son, and his son, he couldn't be killed by the world, He freely laid down his life because of his agape love for you and for me. He freely laid it down because it was the only way to reconcile our sin to a perfect God. He took all your shame, all your punishment. He stood for you in your weakness. He defends you against the accusations of Satan. All from his agape love. 
Can we be that to each other? Can we develop those deep relationships where we can do that for each other as well? That's how we're going to get to a different place. That's how we're going to get to a transformation in Christ. It's not just a change of mindset. It's a transformation. So where are you at today? Have you accepted Jesus uh, Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in his blood? Forgiven of your sins? Received received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Become the temple of God, God dwelling in you, going with you everywhere you go? Full of agape love? For those of us who have, are we living with that type of love in our hearts? Or are we allowing bitterness and hate to keep it out. If there's any reason to respond to the invitation today, you can come as we stand and sing. Thank you, Matt. We appreciate each of you being here this morning. Uh, before we close, I have a number of announcements. Uh, December is going to be a very busy month, so I'm going to give you some dates. Uh, they are all in the bulletins. If you want to uh, check them later, 
You might want to go home and mark them on your calendar, whatever works for you. Uh, first of all, on December 3rd, we'll have the celebration of life for the memorial service for Maxine Ormiston here at the building. That's at 11 a.m. On December 8th, the Senior Adult White Elephant Party will take place here at the building. That's at 11 a.m. And they'd like for you to sign up by December 4th. On December 10th, we have our church holiday dinner. That's back in the fellowship room, and that's at 5 p.m. in the evening. And um, we have a sign-up sheet for that in the foyer. If you have any questions about that, please see Kevin or Kim. On December 11th, the representative from the World Bible School will be here to speak to us on Sunday evening. So uh, please plan to attend that. And then on December 17th, the Mount Dora Children's Home Christmas Party will be here at our building. Um, there are some gift suggestions still left on the table in the foyer, if you can help with that. For many years, our congregation has purchased gifts for the children over at the Mount Dora Home. So uh, we'll be celebrating with them on December 17th. I have an update on some of our sick. Uh, Rachel and Courtney Wall both have COVID. Uh, most of you are aware that this would be very dangerous for Rachel. We ask your prayers for both uh, Rachel and Courtney. Kathy Eggleston's mother had a heart attack. Uh, she needs bypass surgery, but right now she's not strong enough. So we ask that you pray that she'll get strong enough to have that surgery that she needs. Also ask that you continue to pray for Glenda Massey and Nancy Eggy, they both were in the hospital this week. And we want to extend our sympathy to Beverly Donsill and her family. Her son passed away last weekend uh, after being ill for some time. Please pray for her, help her and by comforting her and encouraging her. Also, Angela Harvey's best friend Kim passed away this past week. Angela is taking that very hard as well. Thank you. Before we're dismissed in prayer, let us stand as we sing the first verse, 852. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. please. Holy Father in heaven, it's always a privilege to be able to come and to talk with you, to be able to open our hearts to you, knowing that your heart is always open to us. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of being here today and to worship together, to remember you and your Son and your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for the encouragement that you are to us and that we are to one another. We pray for all those who have been identified as having difficulties, and then there are many others, Father, who are also struggling. Help us to always be an encourager and enlightener for everyone. We pray all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> 